0: As the officer led me away from the crime scene, I realized that it wasn't about what we do in our, in our day-to-day lives. It has more to do with what we can take away. I took away that man's life.
1: Hey, pumpkin. I brought you some banana bread while you're doing a stint in Sing Sing.
0: I guess the really important thing all along was family. Family who will come and visit you.
1: I gotta go right now, but I'll be back to, I'll be back to play pool with my buddies here later
0: family who will hide a nail file inside of the banana bread
1: oh but you do want to eat the banana bread this is really good stuff alright kisses I gotta go get Carl from the from the insane asylum
2: someone once told me the grass is much greener on the other side well I paid a visit while it's possible I missed it it seemed different yet exactly the same Much greener
1: on the other side.
0: Then we have too many discount dismounts and not enough like actual not enough, not
1: enough content. Oh this god. Is the
0: opposite of the normal problem.
1: Honestly, I think we're okay. Like I feel like that's plenty. <laughs> that's a great plenty. My other idea was um we could be in some sort of like PTA meeting and there there will be like a bunch of helicopter parents, and then Lois just kind of going around the table and being like, no you you're, you know, it's 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 not that your kid is acting out; it's that you're feeling unloved and having physical needs not met by your husband. Oh, and, and they just
0: start crying.
1: Yeah, and and just, and just like kind of telling everybody why they shouldn't be helicopter parents is like, <laughs> uh, no, you 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 shouldn't be worried. Like, it Billy's not going through a phase; he's just gay, just gay. He's very gay. <laughs> everybody knows, dude, dude, dude. They have Pee-wee Herman in the show. Wait, really? I mean, not really, but like they have a kid oh, who might as yeah. well be Pee-wee Herman as a <laughs> child, right? That one, that one kid that uh, Carl hangs out with, uh, or like you know makes fun of every so often. Yeah, I don't yeah. remember his name.
0: Ugh. I want to say Roberto. That's wrong.
1: It's very wrong. I'm. It's just Pee-wee Herman.
0: I think it's Billy. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you. It's pretty. It's pretty similar. The
0: one with the monkey. The one with the pepe monkey. Yeah, he does one of those. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, it's like might as well be wearing a bow tie. If he's not a bow tie salesman, he will be. Um, salesman? I probably meant model.
0: PTA meeting. What do they talk about there?
1: I, I mean, like we. I don't want to actually do it. I feel like I feel like we did the best. I feel like we nailed <laughs> it the first time.
0: Uh, uh,
1: anyway, I, I,
0: and you know what? I bet this is gonna be the best year ever. There's just sirens in the background. <laughs> okay (laughs) whatever um, Macy got a tattoo today a prison tattoo. today this one shows that I killed a man
1: (laughs) I really like the 3d kind of imaging like the sparkles that you put on those teardrop
0: tattoos man the clear tear means uh, murder but the yellow one means that I make a good lemonade
1: (laughs) I hate that character (laughs) why? I hate her so much (laughs) she's the best oh we're gonna have some strong disagreements about big characters in this show and Zane let me introduce ourselves so we can get to it Mm. hello everyone my name is Ben
0: my name is Zane
1: and this is the Carton Cast, the podcast where we review old cartoons to see what we think of them as adults I'm pretty sure I just said carton can The
0: the carton can believe in yourself you know The trick about growing up is believing is half the battle. Ah, Uh, yeah. So until further notice, the Carton Cast is in between.
1: Apparently, there's also a, as told by Ginger podcast called uh, "I'm in between" or "We're in between." I couldn't find it on like my Podcatcher, but like I, I saw references to it as I was trying to confirm the theory that Courtney was completely in love with Ginger.
0: Ben. Every character in this show is in love with Ginger in one way or another.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I mean, they're teens, and they they don't just do random bullshit like the Weekenders. They like do difficult relationship shit.
0: Right. It still we- has a lot of bullshit.
1: Oh yeah. Most. I mean, like it's mostly relegated to the side characters.
0: <laughs> These B plots.
1: I'm I'm saying uh, we have so much to say.
0: Well, there's a lot of ground to cover, and thankfully, it's like all character-driven uh interactions and like we don't have to set up the setting of like hey audience you have no context for what middle school is do you
1: yeah this impressed me pretty good um let's uh let's let's start talking about as told by ginger
0: the ginge, uh, the minge i'm gonna have, have to look up
1: the grossest line from a game of thrones episode and i just keep on hearing it on repeat every time i hear the word ginger
0: <laughs> Uh, when you said it, I assumed it came from like whose line that was on Game of Thrones. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. God, man. they're just they're <laughs> just
1: from, what from. And this is gonna this is gonna shock you that that there's even somebody who merits this on Game of Thrones from one of the grossest characters in the show.
0: <laughs> See, if if the car- if the cast of this show were on that show, you know they'd be talking about their feelings and like, oh, I accidentally killed somebody. Oh, that is what our intro was, anyway. <laughs> and there we are. Uh, as Told by Ginger, ran on Nickelodeon from 2000-2004, and was produced by Klaski Kuchpo.
1: Yep, we, we've seen some of the Supo work uh, from uh, previous shows, such as Wild Thornberries, as well as, um, shit.
0: All Real Monsters, Thank and of you. course, Rocket Power.
1: Oh, I was hoping that I would forget about Rocket Power.
0: No. Uh, it's the show still was... there. <laughs> it never left. Yeah. You can still Brandon access it. It hasn't been like relegated to the dustbin of history and swept from the history books. You
1: know that that show also has a single parent who's like not that realistic, but like just trying. I mean, he didn't really try to make anything work. Oh, they go Let, on that's a vacation, where the similarity stops.
0: They go on vacation to like California or wherever, and they meet up, and then Lois and Raymundo fall in love, and Lo- it's the Lois lumpiest. would hand
1: him his entire ass. <laughs> <laughs> she is so out of his league. It's not even funny. <laughs>
0: she is great we will get there
1: <laughs> yeah we will we will the
0: show was created by Emily Kapnick as an emotionally autobiographical look at growing up from a middle school girl's perspective sort of picking the ball up from like pepper Ann*, but a bit more grounded
1: a, a lot more grounded that's actually one of the things that I found was really interesting about this show is how well it kind of married the whole yes it's a sit, you know a, a, not a situation comedy but like a cartoon that is about real life situations and still does have comedy. This is one of the better. This is one of the best blendings I've ever seen it. It kind of reminded me of Doug in
0: that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not like it can't get wacky. It's just that the wackiness is is secondary to how people feel about it.
1: It's pretty quarantined.
0: Yeah. Um, and yeah, the show was praised for its ongoing character development and sense of continuity. Um, it's not too hard to jump in or out. But like there are three seasons and the characters noticeably change each season.
1: The easiest uh, way after- to note this is because they're, you know, their clothes change, but they also do a lot of references to previous episodes. I myself watched about six or seven episodes and I saw references from later seasons to the episodes that I'd seen in previous seasons. So it's like they they, they hold to it as, as kind of a through line is that they wanted to make this kind of its own actual living, breathing world and not just, you know, an in and out, let's just. Let's look at them for this segment of time. Let's look at them at this for this segment of time. No, it's you can actually get attached to these characters and see how they develop, which is something we try to praise things for, and it's rarely done this well.
0: Yeah, I saw an episode where they were referring back to an old woman who got uh, who died because like at at one of their like sit down family dinners, and then her ghost came back, and I'm like, who is this? Is this just a random ghost? But no, there was context for it. I was just missing out on it.
1: Yeah, yeah, so, and they don't so,
0: usually have ghosts.
1: No, not not not
0: generally. <laughs> uh, ge-
1: they 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 just have angst and hormones. God, they're horny teens. They're
0: really horny teens, man. But they're like emotionally horny, like they're thirsting for like uh, fulfillment.
1: I I understand the distinction between emotion emotional horniness and physical horniness.
0: You know, it's like when you watch MythBusters and you get a science boner. Like, there's different kinds of arousal.
1: Yeah, I mean, okay. I guess like maybe we should pull back from this a little bit. <laughs> I don't think I feel the need to catalog all my various erect er, erections.
0: Yeah, probably not in this show anyway, because these are middle schoolers. Yeah,
1: middle school girls. Let's 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 back away from that. I cannot
0: like, like for as horny as these teens are, they are the least sexualized of any like high school era TV show.
1: Yeah. One other thing that this show is known <laughs> for is like you know. Classic Supo has never had a great, has, has never done a great job trying to make characters very realistic, and that's usually to its benefit because it's usually pretty fantastical what they're doing. Uh, mm-hmm. They are trying for realism here, but they still just have the same like earthworm lips that they had in Our Real Monsters, and oh boy,
0: yeah. Um, I don't want you know just just to give context for the audience uh, as we're talking about this show. As told by Ginger characters, may suffer from any of the following conditions. (laughs) Lumpy head, splat hair, nose ratio extremes, spider eye. Spider
1: eye is a problem.
0: (laughs) Low mouth, perma blush, photorealistic ears, pencil neck, Lord Overbite, and bowl cut. Lord Overbite. (laughs) Man, the chompers on Carl. (laughs)
1: <laughs> all hail his lord overbite i'm so, pretty yeah, sure ev- that's a venture brothers character
0: everybody's got big old uh big old lumpy heads the ears look like human ears in a way that they don't usually and chose if they bother to draw ears at all
1: point is we're not getting erections toward these characters but they right. are getting pretty intense emotional erections toward each other yes uh yeah the the animation you know that the, the character models are a little off-putting just because you have such a tone uh, such a grounded tone and stuff that looks pretty gross you know in a in a claymationy kind of way mm-hmm. um if you can get past that hurdle you're you're sitting pretty but
0: uh it, it draws is, it you is, in pretty easily
1: yeah it, it it took me a minute to get used to the lips <laughs>
0: Yeah, it, it's like their their mouths often hang out around the bottom of their face. Yeah, like they're about to fall off.
1: They all look like they're about to be sipping from a straw. Mhm. Yeah. It's 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 pretty weird. Um yeah, it's it's so it's, it's, this is ostensibly a a show about a teenage girl growing up.
0: Yes, it's told from the perspective of Ginger sort of as a um sort of recollection of the day's events or as time goes on more of just an overview of what growing up was like uh, along with her mother and her brother and her friend group and just sort of um, you know every episode you will see some sort of somewhat grounded like teen drama situation like oh there's a substitute teacher or oh I've been invited to this dance I don't know what to get for the person who we're getting gifts for and then they kind of they kind of they kind of go off.
1: The thing is, and this is th- something that really impressed me, is that they don't r- they don't uniformly climax to what you would normally expect a Nicktoon to climax to. Yeah, like, I have a. They will pretty regularly start a plot, and you can kind of see where it's going, and then just never reach there. Mm-hmm. Uh, in one episode, to just give an example, Ginger writes this sad poetry. She gets uh, talked to by, you know, the guidance counselor of like, hey, are you suicidally depressed? This is some some concerning stuff. Mm-hmm. And you think by the end of that, like, if you, you know, watching it for the first five minutes that, oh, by the end of the episode, there's going to be, you know, the, the thing that she submitted it for, it, it'll win the contest. Or maybe she'll, you know, have to start seeing a therapist or have some catharsis, some some resolution of that plot. There's not. There's There's just she talks about it for a while with her mom. She's upset. She gets over it. And that's the end. <laughs> like, there's, it's, it's there's weird no climax. because the show
0: never, like, tries to undercut how important the character's emotions are. These, are. these are dealt as, like, serious emotional things. But in terms of how any, oh, my God, this is the biggest thing to ever happen, in terms of how much it actually affects the status quo, not usually a ton.
1: No, but but I mean, I think that's kind of the point. Yeah, that... yeah.
0: No, nothing's as big as you think it is in middle school.
1: Exactly, yeah. And, and yet, you know, it is really relatable. And obviously, I was never a teenage girl, so I can't precisely relate to this. Mm-hmm. But compare how Ginger sums up the end of each episode compared to, like, the way J.D. does it in Scrubs, where he talks out <laughs> loud to himself regardless of if anybody else is there. Yeah. C- compare that to Ginger going to her room after school or a hard day and writing in her diary. Cause she's like a creative writer person. It makes sense that she'd be summing up her day like this and kinda of keeping track. It's it's in a universe explained.
0: Mm-hmm. And that just
1: is that's very cool. Like this is very relatable stuff.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, I I don't know if I didn't have too many memories of this show. I I I definitely remember some of the shit that Carl pulled <laughs> but I, I didn't really remember how relatable most of it was. You know, you know we get lost in that Nicktoon Cartoon Network kind of soup of madness. That, yeah, that, uh, mo- that morass
0: that, of genre conventions.
1: It, yeah, you get used to it. You get used to expecting things. And, you know, some combination of the, the worm lips and the just very relatable struggles and the lack of, um, you know, big climactic moments... Something about this is just is just so much more toned down and and grounded than most of the shows that are out there,
0: yeah, the characters are really well developed, and like you know, in a lot of shows, oh, oh, I have to choose between these two things, um and then a lot of times the character will be like, "I' found a way to do them both. suck on it, life and here <laughs> in here, it's like, you know I did a lot of thinking about it. I fell down on this side. I see other people doing it that way i I'm gonna learn to be comfortable like this. <laughs> You know, you know, it's, it's so mature. It's like kind of off-putting. Of like, wait, I watched this when I was twelve. What what did I get out of it? I don't know.
1: Yeah, it, it's it's very relatable, and I I'm not going to go too far into this because I didn't really develop this theory at all. But I'm <laughs> I'm wondering if there's a part of this that is, you know, in in the '90s era of animation, you had cartoons of unrelatable stuff. And unrelatable situations, like everything is just absurdist chaos for a lot of it. Like Rocco's Modern Life, I guess that was maybe a little later. Um, uh, SpongeBob and/or Fairly Odd Parents, like every all the situations are insane and the characters are insane. Everything's just insane. Fast forward to As Told by Ginger, the characters are reasonable and the situations are reasonable. Fast forward to something like Adventure Time. The characters have very grounded struggles, but the world is a it just absolute in- insanity. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there's like a trend of like, you know, us being the irony generation, and yet also being very depressed. That like makes us latch onto <laughs> things that like Adventure <laughs> Time, which is like we want real madness. We want our senses totally uh, saturated. Just just take all of our attention and give us total nonsense stuff but also like appeal to me on a, on a, on a sadness level.
0: <laughs> I think it's more like, you know, how, um, you know, science fiction writing is off or fantasy writing is often looked down on by, uh, by more mainstream uh, uh, authors and, and writing styles um, that deal with more realistic stuff. I think it's like if you have good characters and a good uh, and you know how to write them well, you don't need a gimmick. Uh, this show doesn't have a gimmick, and I think other shows maybe uh, rely on those gimmicks in place of the character development. And here, it just simply does not need to.
1: This this show is so grounded as to actually inhabit a, like, kind of a not not exactly a real life. It's it's like King of the Hill in that it like made up a fake city in a state to to you know pay to have references to. So you, I, you know I think what? that this is like a city in Connecticut that's like. That is that is very similar to an actual city in Connecticut, and then uh, the the rich kids actually come from a part of Connecticut that's like pretty close to a city. I I don't remember the exact terminology, but like
0: very much a Connecticut type of type of situation. But I think it's more like the the creator had experiences growing up that informed this. But it's like, what if I was self conscious, like? self-aware enough at the time and brave enough to speak my mind, what would that look like? And where would that yeah. get me?
1: Yeah, That that's the biggest part of this that is the unrelatable bit is that like everyone <laughs> speaks their mind and like there's no way you do that when you're that insecure and that like riddled with hormones. You just keep your head down. You yeah. get through T- everything as little pain as possible. Tell me,
0: tell me which one sounds more familiar. You had a crush on somebody and over the course of a couple of days you decided to bring it up to them and it went well versus... You had a crush on somebody and just did nothing about it for like five years. (laughs) You simmer
1: that shit. Yeah, that's slow cooked.
0: Yeah, but that's not what the show is. Put put that in. People are brave.
1: Yeah, put that in the crock pot, which is also a torch. Mm Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so so that's the only point that kind of makes it a little unrealistic, but for the most part it's very grounded. Uh which we've said like eight times and like that's just for emphasis. Like you guys don't understand how grounded it is. Like shows do not do this.
0: <laughs> it's it's aspirational also. That's the word that kept coming to me is like no, this is how it this is how it should be. This is how we should deal with our problems.
1: Uh, this is this is your penchant for kind of uh uh ad- admiring young people who blatantly who just like states what the problem is as opposed to pussyfooting around just
0: sit down and talk about your problems kids
1: did you hear that uh speaking of which did you hear that a uh, fruits basket has uh apparently come up the second season or something oh ben it got a reboot it like got a, re, a re-actual boot. Apparently, Yuki is not as much of a problem.
0: I, I don't like it as much as the original, partially because of the voicing, but uh, it's it's still very charming, and I like some of the stuff they've done with it. The intro... Oh, you didn't watch it on mute? You brave no, no, no. soul. <laughs> We've been watching a few episodes here and there. It's okay. a nice it's a nice little thing. Uh, the intro is extremely cute. Everyone's running around with different like personality-flavored umbrellas.
1: Back to Ginger. So Ginger is...
0: Uh, <laughs> she has to come off well to the audience right the show doesn't work if you don't relate with her and and want her to succeed
1: i I thought she was pretty boring
0: oh interesting
1: yeah i i I mean she's common nickelodeon protagonist she's meaning you you know she's she's ethical but conflicted Uh uh-huh and that is kind of most of what i got out of her like she's also very creative but beyond that I don't know, she, she didn't really capture me, and maybe, you know, I'm not the target audience, so obviously not, but um, the plots are all about her being conflicted about some emotions that she's having, which makes for relatable plot lines, but it also means that she's not really, she doesn't really crystallize into wh- any one type of personality or, like, repeatable trait that she uses to interact with the p- other people, I don't know she just I didn't I didn't get much of a sense of her
0: see I, th- I saw it as a very um, realistic portrayal of how children build identity which is oh there are these two somewhat well-defined sides of what's going on let me let me kind of play around in the space of both of them see what they both have to offer but when the chips are down and I know what's right I'm going to stand up for it like that was, like uh, I'll give you an example there was an episode where they had a substitute teacher who was very uh, tyrannical and um you know she wasn't happy about it uh but then the other kids were like hey we're gonna you know toilet paper the, and egg the lady's house um uh, but they didn't tell her about the egging so she goes along with it for a little bit and it's like oh i didn't know there'd be egging to me that kind of crosses a line guys I, you know i don't like her either um and so she like stops them from egging the person's house but then the the substitute teacher comes out of the house and is like "Ah, oh, you damn kids i'm gonna i'm gonna get you for this and she's like do you understand why they why they hate you she's like i don't care they deserve you know this is what they deserve, they deserve to die they deserve to die very uh very matilda kind of thing anyway at the end of the episode ginger like decides okay rather than try to uh uh express my disapproval in ways that I deem uncivil. And rather than standing on behalf of this person I don't like, I'm going to like lead the class in some civil disobedience and like shout at the substitute teacher and say, you can't demand respect. You have to earn it and we're not gonna. And then there's just a smash cut to her in detention and credits.
1: Yeah. That that none none of that feels very relatable to me.
0: (laughs) It's, it's like I said, it's aspirational. she, is weighing things she has this sort of internalized uh, morality she runs up against a situation that clashes with one or multiple sides of that versus her social inclinations she comes down on a side where we can like yeah we're proud of you and then like we don't have to sit around for all the negative consequences so it's still really uh you know it's it's the sort of thing where a kid watching it would be like that is a good way to to solve the issue you know that standing up for yourself is the right way to do it. Thanks for this example.
1: Yeah, I, I actually had no, I had no sense. <laughs> I of didn't that. see
0: none of that. <laughs> no, I
1: I didn't. Like all I saw was wishy washy protagonist girl in a Nicktoon, like pretty, pretty cookie cutter. It's, it doesn't mean that she's like not, you know, she's she's fine. She she gets the the story across. Like watching her through her life and it being very mundane. That all kind of works for me on a. Relatability level. I just didn't find her personally interesting.
0: Nah, I, I I think the the fact that she's somewhat of a blank slate, but still very like loyal and well meaning. I think I think that does enough. Um, the fact that she like goes back and forth on things actually struck me as a positive.
1: I mean, like I guess, like just to show us that she's thinking about it. Like she's I, not I a Pepperan was... where she just like let me let's see here's here's something that will tempt me okay I'm gonna put all of 100% of my energy toward this thing until it turns out bad okay now I'm over it like she kind yeah. of she, kinda, she I, I see what you mean where she's she debates it and that is like showing critical thinking in a way that maybe you want to transport onto kids who are watching it like I I kind of get it I just I, I think she just didn't interest that much to, like as a person um no, I, I don't really know why like she's fine like she, it's, she's some
0: situations that she's put into.
1: She's somewhat, you know, comedic with her mom, and that gets a little personality through. And you know, she's real artsy, right? She's she uh, she writes a lot. She does poetry. She becomes a singer later on. She, she's and I think she plays guitar or, or whatever. So like, she has like clear hobbies and you know motivations. I just like, I don't know. It just wasn't enough. Hmm. She just she just didn't do much for me. I, I yeah. do agree that she's like the good person to focus on in that she's, she is, I think that the show should f- focus on the person whom is conflicted the most. Mm-hmm. And, and that is, that is her. So, you know, watching I mean, that, her that's the, the, story, the
0: lyrics of the intro say, I'm, I'm in between, I'm trying to figure things out, guys.
1: <laughs> right, right. And, and that, that, that definitely works for me. I just didn't find her that interesting personally. Mm-hmm. Um, move on to other characters though. Uh, yes. Oh.
0: <laughs> What's that? So she pals around with the uh, with a couple of girls who just like absolutely look up to her. I have I have two notes. I
1: have one note on each of these characters. That's fine. <laughs> for For Macy, my note is I'm fucking tired of this character. Aww. And for Dodie, my note is shitty girl. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Dodie is easily the hardest to look at in a field of intense competition.
1: Well, it's the spider eyes are so pronounced on her otherwise pretty blank face.
0: I, I actually liked Macy a lot. I thought she was cute. She was very earnest about, like, her emotions. She had a little bit of a weird streak, but it wasn't like an overbearing hot topic kind of weird streak.
1: I I don't know. It feel, felt like it was... She felt kind of pretentious to me. Like, she, she's always making references that uh, someone of her age would not make, and like she, she i don't know she displays the uh she she displays the nerd kind of archetype pretty aggressively
0: uh yeah but like nobody like like she's definitely a velma type of character but yeah nobody else, but nobody in in their friend group is like the daphne so it's it's it, look, it didn't it, wear as me as much
1: i mean you know it's it's uh, it's, you know, in, in some shows you get like, you get like your regular p- protagonist and, or, or like, you know, in recess when TJ like happens upon, oh geez, the, the computer nerds and like all of them have uh, <laughs> like button down shirts and like one of them pushes yeah, up yeah. their glasses and are yeah, like, one well, note. actually the re- correct, the correct answer for this pocket protector is, you know, it's not that bad, <laughs> but, it, but it's in that direction. Hmm. You know, the 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 asthma, the worrying about your sinuses, the, you know, worrying about melanoma, the constant uh, the the constant like uh, pulling of facts of scientific, like pulling scientific facts into regular conversation. The pop culture references like all of that, just like she just seemed like a mass of Here's a nerd for everyone to
0: look at. Yeah, but but she wasn't nerd first. She was teen girl first and nerd second. And that th- that actually does a lot for me.
1: Is that the way that she reads to you? Because, like, I I didn't get that. I got just a very... uh, In a show where everyone kind of develops, she felt very static, very fixed in place to me.
0: That's because she never grew. She never uh, uh, did what Ginger always does, which is eventually, you know, speak out on what your emotions are. She's, like, spent these entire three seasons nursing this huge crush for Ginger that...
1: (laughs) All right, let's start it up.
0: No, I... I see this every single scene that she's you in. Sure? I'm like, oh, I she's mean, got the hots. <laughs> I don't know, man. But I guess if you don't see that, then yeah, there's not a lot else going on.
1: <laughs> yeah, I,
0: I just she's just always batting the eyes at her. I don't know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> she bats eyes at her. She just bl- slow blinks like a sloth. That's not the same thing.
0: No, it's it's like, well, well, you know, Ginger. It's uh. You know, maybe maybe you're just not meant to go out with the. It'd the, be more
1: ergonomic for us to both just shower at once, and uh,
0: you know, maybe you shouldn't go out with the cute guy. You know, let's let's just hang out together, just you and me.
1: Uh, I I do like how Dodie is just like pretty toxic. <laughs> like, I hate
0: her so much. She's so awful. She,
1: she's not a good, like a pretty bad person. Like she's just very short sighted and and self centered, and it's. It,
0: she's high strung
1: it's really interesting because we have a a different character courtney courtney who i will talk about a lot uh and dodie is more like dodie is more self-centered and obsessive than the stereotypical rich kid
0: yeah yeah roll that around
1: for a second
0: yeah so dodie is shallow but not in a naive way. Courtney is naive. She yeah, doesn't no. imagine. She doesn't <laughs> Dodie, understand what deliberate. life is like <laughs> it's without It's a deliberate
1: servers. choice that I am the only person in this world.
0: Dodie is like, oh, this is how people act when they're great or like when they're well off. I'm going to put that on. And then eventually it just stuck.
1: Yeah, she's sociopathic. She's like Walter White. She, like, she I don't bad. know. I
0: just had no patience for her. Get, get rid of her. Move her to the side. Macy and Ginger fall in love and start their own thing. <laughs> i
1: i do want one point of order about the friend group there i i do like that they have their kind of nightly phone call and that that's brought up multiple times especially by the mom it's like oh don't you have your nightly phone call with Dodie and macy Mm -hmm. like that's
0: just very cute it's a nice barometer of how distant she is from them at any given moment
1: yeah that's true yeah (laughs) because like they'll be like feuding or something or macy will not be feeling great about something or other and you know that'll that'll create some distance it's usually ginger and dodie who are feuding because they have both have the type a personality kind of thing going on but
0: well well ginger's concerned with like oh i don't know if i should do this i might go to jail and dodie's like but you have to be cool
1: yeah yeah she's she's a real she's a real uh popular
0: when will you learn to make better friends
1: in the oblong sense of the word um
0: we do have to talk about courtney
1: courtney <laughs> i love her <laughs> i love this character it's it's an inter- it's an interesting inversion of the rich kid archetype because she's not nasty about it.
0: No, this is just that's how she grew up. Right.
1: Yeah, she just doesn't know a different way to be.
0: And she's she's interested in other social classes and she like, "Oh, how do they live? Oh, that's so interesting." Like she's doing like a like an anthropology sort of thing.
1: Yeah, which which is pretty patronizing, but I I also because I got a real sense of her over time that it was a that it was a genuine interest and not like a humble brag kind of thing it, it actually what I actually really like her
0: what is with her fascination with ginger
1: uh that's just homoeroticism
0: it starts from 60 and it never stops <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't I don't think it is I think I don't I don't see it that way for them I think Courtney's like I have everything that anyone could ever want and I am miserable I am friends with a like some sort of evil vizier empire.
1: yeah (laughs) she's something (laughs) and
0: and like i see this girl and she's so happy and she's so confident and she is a born leader why can't i have that i must know everything about her
1: i I agree it doesn't have to be homoerotically motivated i I think it probably is some of that like eh, i don't know like the, the 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 relation she has with like Oh, these 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 other classes of people. I'm so interested. Like, I think that does come from like a genuine place of. Mm-hmm. My life should be great, but it isn't. And and I think that's that's a cool part of her character is that she's got this divide between. I know that this stuff is not making me happy, but it's the only life I know, so I have to kind of inhabit that. Um, you know, fashionista. Uh, You know, uh, do everything for the good of my family. Kind of, kind of higher class, higher class stuff. Like, don't you know? Avoid public black eyes and embarrassment with like the plague. That whole thing. Like that. She's
0: looking for an opportunity to escape her upbringing.
1: It it does feel like that. It feels like it feels. It feels like Ginger is the person who came in on a motorcycle with the leather jacket to her. You know arranged marriage uh, kind of reception area where they're talking about, you know, plans to join these houses so that the businesses can prosper. And she sees Ginger across the room and dra- dragging from a cigarette and is like, maybe there's a different way. Right. <laughs> I- I'm referencing Bojack Horseman. I, I assumed
0: you were. <laughs> but the-, the analogy was confusing. It and broke weird. down
1: because it wasn't very good, but I won't let it go. I won't let it go, Zane. I
0: actually think Courtney is fascinated with Ginger in the way like, oh, I want to like kill her and wear her skin. Um, Whenever Ginger is away, like if she's distracted by boys or whatever or or whatever, um, Courtney takes her place in the friend group and is like, I'm going to be Ginger now.
1: I I don't think that necessarily cuts out the possibility that she's full-on in love with Ginger, (laughs) but there's something to it. There was one episode where uh, her mom got, like, an infection during a facelift procedure, and so she (laughs) didn't want to be home alone. So, you know, she slept over at Ginger's house for a while, and she basically just tried to be Lois's daughter. Oh. (laughs) And it was very cute.
0: It sounds cute. Like, uh, when Ginger and uh, Darren, like... We're off doing a lover's spat or whatever. Uh, Courtney and the other girls like went to the fair and Courtney was like, oh, my goodness, look at this. Look at all these people who are just like normal people. Oh, my God. There's there's a sheep and it's not a purebred. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, it's very funny.
0: Yeah, she, I, she, got a couple, she's great.
1: I've got a couple of lines from her that are mm. just kind of showcase that innocent fascination with the world around her. Oh, so they don't grow frozen vegetables in frozen soil? <laughs> bless your heart
0: it's very charming
1: hospitals are such a downer do there have to be so many sick people I don't know just she's she's comedic relief in a way that isn't too unrealistic like
2: mm-hmm.
1: it, it's not like a Patrick Starr kind of thing where just like we need some zany shit to tie this scene together hit, but hit us with a zinger would ya it's, it's more just like no, it it does make sense with her character. Her character is not entirely removed from reality. It just, she's got a very funny perspective on our standard teen format thing.
0: Yeah, and it's a believable take on the show's theme of, like, wanting what you can't have.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I And that's, you know, that is a lot of what motivates Ginger is trying to figure out what she wants without realizing that she kind of already has most of it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: One thing that we yeah, did say about- Yeah, she just needs to,
0: like, grow up and, like- it takes time.
1: One thing that we didn't say about Ginger is that she also kind of like everyone is smitten with Courtney, but uh, Ginger's the only one with a chant. It felt really Mean Girls,
0: you know. Uh, Miranda felt very Mean Girls. Yeah, um, I
1: don't. I don't even have anything to say about her. Yeah,
0: I mean, aside from,
1: <laughs> I, I really did profile, just write big but Darren evil and Vizier Miranda energy. really, really, really. You know, pass me by.
0: Um, Miranda is voiced by Kree Summers, who does every like black girl voice in this area. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, it's a shame Susie Carmichael is that her? Yeah, yeah. So oh, she's like man again. She's a good voice actress. One of the only ones who's like a name that I recognized here. And like, her character motivations are so unclear. She's constantly just trying to like do something bad to Ginger.
1: She's just really catty there's no reason for it insecure about mm-hmm. her place in courtney's circle really that's it like i don't right. think it, she's just not that interesting beyond that
0: yeah and uh darren is uh the the male friend of the group Couldn't um care less i kind of liked him um you know you know how i mentioned that like ginger is the person the author wanted to be at that age mm. darren i feel is an actual like he has an immaturity level that suits his age like he's so i don't know he's confused he's grossed out he's interested in sports he's just kind of like i'm a kid i like kid shit i'm i'm not really that complicated
1: yeah i i guess i do like the part that he's not that complicated just to kind of just a it feels like he's also having his own stories and just kind of peeks in on the crowd every now and again he's like from a crossover (laughs) episode or something
0: well he it's jarring because every season physically he changes a lot (laughs)
1: Uh, that that's the thing that bugged me about him is that he's got some real Chester McBadbat braces in a way that like, I don't think actually exist.
0: Yeah. The, the exoskeleton braces
1: (laughs) at all. No T-1000 like dental work works
0: like that. (laughs) The cave of wonders.
1: Uh, That's the thing. Every so often this show for being as realistic and grounded as it is, it engages in some of this like real tropey shit. Uh huh. Like, and i'll I'll talk about it a little bit more later, but like there's an episode where they do like a very special episode kind of thing with caffeine addiction, and they treat it like a heroin addiction it's It looks like train spotting or requiem for a dream. It's like <laughs> like yes, it might be offensive, mostly it's just absolutely ridiculous. It's a
0: little out of place, and, and that's and like, how the braces felt to
1: me, and I'm just like i don't want I don't want to pay attention to you, dude. <laughs>
0: If we want to talk about things that are very tropey, I think it's time to talk about the source of our B-plots.
1: Yeah, let, let's move into the tour de force that is this B-plot circle.
0: So, Carl is Ginger's brother.
1: I I really like
0: Carl. What? <laughs> like, I, I, I like him. If he wasn't already part of this show, you would have never thought to put him into this show. It's he doesn't such a really choice. interact
1: with Ginger at all. They have the kind of brother sister relationship that Doug and Judy had. In, in, yeah, yeah. In yeah. in in, uh, in, in, fi-
0: in Phineas and Ferb, the plots intersected at some point.
1: That's the same thing that I brought to mind.
0: The, but it doesn't happen here. It's just like, oh, they're both at the fair, but nothing that happens at the fair involves both of them at the same time.
1: So, so let's let's dissect this kind of from a. Uh, story structure perspective for a second. Why does this balance work and Phineas and Ferb doesn't? Because it's ostensibly the same thing. We have a main plot and then we have this side plot that is, you know, with side characters, but Carlin and Hoodzie, and occasionally Blake, who has his own leitmotif that I love <laughs> and is actually voiced by uh, Tress McNeil who is mm-hmm. Phil and Lil. Um, just other point of reference for famous voice actors. Carlin Hoodsey they aren't singly motivated stencil family member characters like Candace was like they're, they're weirdos through and through. They, I've seen this character in a bunch of things and it feels very real to me. The boy who's too young to care about that, you know, teen drama shit and is just, just has a lot of fascination with weirdness
0: in, in Phineas and Ferb. The boys are fascinated by science and adventure and weird stuff in this show, Carl and Hoodsey, we're introduced to them. They're hanging out in a mad science den, trying on dentures.
1: <laughs> yeah, like... <laughs> but, like, and, and you know, it, it crosses the threshold out of realism a little bit. They have a lot of stuff that someone of their age
0: probably shouldn't have access to. Did Did you ever play Psychonauts? I did not. This kid belongs in Psychonauts.
1: <laughs> like, <laughs> I, re- I really
0: he's he's fascinated by gross things the occult the criminal elements and like the way that it establishes itself is like okay i i i am a, like a loving younger brother it does not come up much let me just do it's some not weird stuff in the basement
1: it's vi- like he's exactly it's the very definition of b plot
0: he he feels also kind of like like a used car salesman like he's the greasiest character certainly yeah, um, he's got a little bit of a
1: grifter mentality to him, but mostly I just saw him as Calvin.
0: I I want to say he's like more askew from reality than Calvin was. Really more? Like not askew he doesn't from this reality.
1: <laughs> I don't he, know, man. He just like he's got a fascination with weird culture. Like it's either. He brings a weird zone around him. It's either Calvin or Daria. Like, not Daria, but, like, they, their fascination with, like, six sad world. Carl yeah. would probably made that show.
0: Yeah, like, he's he's always like, oh, we're going to go to the weirdness museum. Yes, Um Let exactly. me give you a quote from the man.
1: <laughs> from the man himself.
0: The context. He's complimenting a carny.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> and he says, you know, sir, you are a true icon, the last of a dying breed. And the guy starts tearing up, and he says nice of somebody to notice, and he hands him a roll of tickets, and Carl responds, ah, how deliciously corrupt. <laughs>
1: like, like, what is this character doing here? I don't know. He he watched a bunch of B-movies and learned a lot of lingo, and just has, I don't know, like, and it actually kind of is informed by the single mother uh, trying to make it work sort of family dynamic that they have, because he has very few limits placed upon him by his mom. Mm-hmm. Like she, she you know, gave takes up. A, she takes a takes a pretty active interest in Ginger's life because that's the main emotional center of the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> With Carl, she's more just like, as long as he doesn't injure himself, I'm just gonna stop asking. <laughs> um, it, there it was honestly, a- I don't know. I, I I have a few just just to really Please. nail the difference between uh, Ginger and Carl as like how their plots transpire because I think that's important to read really nailed down exactly how relatable one is to how fucking insane go-go-nuts b-plot carl shit is mm-hmm. to to get the flavor of this uh the first movie has ginger because they did like a couple of different like four tv movie three episode kind of plots or whatever yeah i don't know if you watched any of that
0: i, I watched the finale
1: I watched the first one. It's pretty good. It's got Ginger going to camp and Courtney decides to tag along and is constantly saying stuff like, you know, when will the when will the bellhop get here to take us to the, to the hotel? It's just
0: I don't know. It's awfully cute. Yeah, the, the overall quality of the show is generally pretty high if we didn't already mention that.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's very thoughtfully put together. Um, in any case, the first movie has Ginger going to camp. She struggles with friends and lovers and she grows up a little. The B-plot has Carl and Hoodsy open a vampire-themed house-cleaning service in order to expose a neighborhood dog-napping syndicate. Yeah. And that is always... That's consistent. Yeah, yeah. Every fucking episode. Carl and Hoodsy try to open up a lice circus. Carl and Hoodsy <laughs> start looking into getting chin implants. It's, <laughs> it's all completely random nonsense that, like, no, clearly Carl would be very interested in this occult off-Broadway off, off Broadway kind of culture that Ginger would never cross paths with. It's very consistent with who he is and, like, his age group and that whole fascination that, like, not the boys-will-be-boys boys kind of little boy shenanigans, but just, like, they get interested in nonsense.
0: There was a really good three-episode arc where Ginger goes to spend a semester at, like, a ritzy art school she won a, a scholarship to, and, you know, we see everybody's reaction to her being away, and we learn a little bit about her and her emotional development. The B-plot there, um, Carl and Hoodsy discover that their friend Noelle has telekinetic powers.
1: Isn't and Noelle they, the one that she that Carl, like, more or less falls in love with?
0: Oh, yeah. Well, first he's like, hey, we're friends. And then he's like, oh, shit, you have telekinetic powers. That's all I'm going to focus on right now. And then she gets jealous, or, or she gets mad. And... Um, <laughs> they they try to convince her to join a winter oddities competition. Uh, Hoodsy has to dress up as an old man, and in order to like get him to act the part, Noel kisses him, and he's like, "Well, hello, children." <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like carl getting jealous So like even when he has like an emotional development plot it's still wacky it's still like hoodsy with a prosthetic nose on stilts looking looking really a lot like an old man <laughs> he
1: he's an old he's a, he's an old soul mm-hmm. there's i i did see noel in one episode there was an episode where and just i'm just gonna give another standard carl bullshit plot for a second uh Carl gets a, uh, gets, gets disappearing powder from, like, the ye old local occult magic shop that you frequents. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, y- you know how, like, in some shows, like, magic is real and it's low-key? Only for Carl.
1: It, uh, well, I mean, it's just, he knows a lot of grifters, so, like, he's, he's... He's interested in the magic stuff, but he's also interested in the con. So Some of like, these snake
0: oil salesmen have got to be legit. It's the law of large numbers.
1: Well, it's the snake oil salesman. Like they might not be legit, but I I can respect them on a very on a business level. <laughs> yeah, but he gets disappearing powder or something and uses it on someone he doesn't know. In this case, Noel, and then throughout the course of the episodes realizes how fucking weird Noel is and like starts cursing the fact that he did this. He's like, no, how could I have d- tried to get rid of someone who's so genuinely bonkers? I need this person to be okay. <laughs> and by the end of the episode, he he reunites with her and she says something like if this is uh, they like kind of like lean in as though they're going to kiss or something. And then Noel says, if we were underwater, we would. I would talk like this. And she does like a squeaky voice thing and then starts like running around and doing fake judo moves. And Carl just like stares and just says, amazing. <laughs> just, just like as though he's like looking at a painting. At Carl, a beautiful portrait. He's just so invested in weird culture.
0: Carl fits great as like a growing up misfit. Noelle does not belong here. I do not no. understand her. She backflips everywhere.
1: She, she's a recess character.
0: She, she's a problem. Yes, recess character,
1: yeah. I, I don't really like Noel. I like that if she's gonna show up, she's a very, very side character. I think Carl fits correct. like she
0: she's a she's a tool
1: Ca- Carl is, <laughs> yeah, but they're all tools. <laughs> Carl is like an appropriate younger brother, not interested in this grown up like this teen drama stuff yet, but like is also very fun to watch mm-hmm. but you are right. very like strongly disconnected from the whole plot yeah uh we, we should round things out with the final main character um i love lois
0: lois is um a great cartoon mom right like the high pick in the cartoon mom draft later this year
1: yeah i i don't know who i'd favor she is <laughs> she is excellent she's voiced by lorraine newman who apparently was one of the founding member of the groundlings uh oh you
0: know, the old improv uh
1: yeah the the famous los angeles improv community that like gave a lot of people their starts um Mm -hmm. she was apparently one of the founding members
0: it's it's so interesting to see in a show about middle schoolers growing up where usually like the parents are either this oppressive figure or this source of inspiration lois has character development too she's always learning she's always growing like she goes through a whole like (laughs) you know relationship arc with this
1: doctor and Every time I saw them interacting, I was like, yes, that's a real relationship. It's not a fake, weird relationship that they put on just to, like, you know, churn the butter.
0: Yeah, and, like, when Ginger goes to her for help, she gives advice, and it's, like, it's optimistic, but it's also practical. Like, you know, yeah. you know, put on your best smile and face. Put on, uh, you know, a nice dress. Do your best to, to show off at the show or the competition or the party. But, like, if they don't like it, they don't like it, and that's on them. She does the gentle nudge with, like— such a yes. sensible warm tone that i just available but not overbearing
1: yeah that this is the thing that's the alternate sketch idea that i had which just like this is a reasonable parent that is it, she doesn't like have a have an iron grip on her kids like malcolm in the middle uh with the lowest from malcolm in the middle had which by the way found a lot of similarities between these shows oh really i i mean i thought so like just the real life kind of stuff intersecting with uh a little bit of drama that we didn't see that's actually in oh, kids yeah. lives but with like a little bit of extra twist on it with a little chili power to give it a little bit of a kick you mm-hmm. know like uh you know ginger is gonna have a s- ski trip and and possibly get her first kiss from the hot foreign exchange student or uh malcolm gets a head injury but they don't want to tell lois about it because she'll get mad <laughs> you know you know like real like semi-real stuff i don't know um, I, I thought they were pretty similar, but I like this Lois a lot better because she just she doesn't have an iron grip on her kids like that Lois did. Um, for an example, when she hears that Ginger and Dodie are fighting, she just says, eh, It might be nice if you patched things up. People make mistakes, you know? Even me, and I'm your mom.
0: <laughs> there's no judgment. There's no helicoptering. There's not a need for it to be like a ha-ha p- like punchline joke. It's just like... Yeah, that's, that's a thing a mom would say.
1: That's a thing a mom would say. She's so much like Tino's mom in that she just trusts her kid to figure it out. And she's there when they need her. And she's not when they don't.
0: Yeah. And, like she's like, she's busy. Like, she's given a personality. She has a job. She has struggles. She tries not to let it influence, like, how she's raising the kids. Like, she's kind of got her own show, too. Like, these three characters do intersect and care about each other. But they're kind of all doing their own thing.
1: You can also see, like, the direct line of how Ginger gets her creative side and, like, mm-hmm. kind of her dry wit and how Carl gets his, like, amusement with, like, weird stuff because she's kind of in that as well. Right. You know? Um, she has some of the better lines. And, <laughs> and that, you know, that's an accent <laughs> that she has there. Um, is, is basically cartoon Hugh, Hugh Dreyfus. Yeah. Uh, and and when she speaks her lines with that thick Jewish accent, it's just dynamite.
0: You're thinking oh. of the other person, I think. What's that? I don't think that's the right actress, Paul.
1: Oh, who am I thinking of?
0: Oh, God. The one from Friends. The other one from Friends. I don't know her name.
1: <laughs> Joy Tribbiani? <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, if I can cite a couple of her lines here and try to imitate her accent. Uh, when, when she's... Doing like uh, the when she's when she's doing like the school head lice check, um, and Courtney is revealed to have head lice. She says, uh, "The thing is, lice love clean hair. You'd have been better off rolling around in mud. That's why I never worry about my Carl." <laughs> Which is a little funny in that mom way, but it's also perfect for her wry sense of humor that we see in Ginger.
0: Yeah, yeah, and um, it's it's not a put down. It it might sound like a put down if somebody else said it.
1: There's a in the in the other um, in in the later on in the episode when when Dodi and Ginger are fighting, um, she 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 tells them it might be nice if you patch things up. Uh, Ginger's like, "How did you know?" And she says, "Oh, Ginger, the correct question is, how does a mother not know? Ah, I overheard you talking."
0: <laughs> Just immediate. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's very good. Oh. You don't wanna you don't have to worry about oversleeping anymore because you got yourself a new brand new alarm clock. Name's Lois. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like the mom jokes. Like fuck dad jokes. Dad jokes are out. Let's get some hashtag mom jokes going.
0: <laughs> hashtag mom jokes. Not the yo mama jokes. Those no, are also very out.
1: different jokes
0: assay.
1: <laughs> yeah. Although we could like get, you know we we could balance the force, as it were, and get some yo data.
0: Yo yo mama is so emotionally available that she she will call you out on your bullshit but still tell you that at the end of the day you're a good person.
1: Yo dad's dick so thick I use it like a springboard. <laughs> No <laughs> not as good.
0: we'll workshop this we'll
1: workshop this groundlings get on it
0: <laughs> um I agree though that the dialogue from the show in general is is pretty strong um so, some of <laughs> the
1: strongest not... some of the strongest Nickelodeon dialogue I've heard honestly it's it's mm-hmm. extremely good
0: there's a and and they play with those genre conventions, you know like uh they 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 sometimes take the the central concept and put it into a metaphor or a simile to sort of like allow the characters to understand it better but also sometimes they'll just like outright say what the conflict is like uh here here's some actual dialogue are you sure about this ginger you would be defying the group and you know groups they have a way of turning on you when you do that
1: did macy say that
0: uh yes <sighs>
1: i fucking knew it <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I don't know. Like it, it does feel like real lines that people could have. Like you know, it's like semi Buffy speak, but not done for the sake of a joke. Like it's just done because some sometimes people talk in roundabout ways that just don't. They're not. It's not the most efficient way to talk. Mm-hmm. Y, you know, it's kind of like that. Um, in there's this novel. Um, I don't know if you ever read uh, "The Moon Is a Harsh Mistress." Mm-hmm. About how. Um, yeah. There's like that AI computer program that's like helping their cause, and after a certain point, he has to adopt a human persona, and so he starts kind of templating how he would sound on the other end of a phone line. And one of the first things that they kind of coached him on is like you have to make your sound sound yourself sound less clean. You know, you 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 have to stutter a little bit at times, or you know, cough or something. There, it can't just be perfectly just dialogue robotic tone. Like, there's got to be some. Some stuff in there that is not the most efficient way to speak.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, they'll, they'll misunderstand each other pretty regularly, and then they'll just be like, okay, I'm going to say this a different way because you didn't quite get me the first time, and I can tell.
1: And that's where some, like, you know, mild humor can come in, but it also does the character friend development thing, which I didn't like Macy that much, but I did get the sense that Ginger, Macy, and Dodie were very good friends. Mm-hmm. It, they have to make that obvious because otherwise Courtney can't obsess over their friendship. and we need that zane
0: she has something i want and i'm not used to not having things that i want
1: (laughs) yeah um to move on to kind of a tone and genre thing um what does this show do that is i i got the sense from watching this that it it was like the best articulation of the relatable meets comedic kind of that that continuum that a lot of nicktoons struggle with. I think this is this is the sweet spot. I think this okay. is it.
0: <laughs> like I don't know if they I don't know if it gets better than this. Even though like it kind of jostles between those throughout the course of an episode just going back between the plots.
1: I honestly like I think that using that, using those B plots that Carl does just I don't know. I it's one of those things that when I'm reading a novel uh, that is really, really good. Like when I was reading the Stormlight archives, I'll you know, i get really invested in a scene and be like, okay, uh, what, what happens next? And I turn the page, it's a new chapter. Oh shit, we're watching someone else now, damn it. And I'll start <laughs> reading and I'll be like, oh no, I'm really invested in this though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like that continually shifting where we're looking and it's still being very, it, it's investing me in different ways. So it, it, it shakes up, it doesn't get mired into one tone.
0: Yeah, and and I think the value in that is is more so the relatability rather than the comedy. Um that arc that I mentioned where Ginger goes to a uh to the arts academy. We jump between her and her uh friends trying to like, you know, piece together their friendship with her gone for half a year. Um, doesn't
1: Courtney go and try to like retrieve her like bodily?
0: So Courtney becomes (laughs) friends with the kids, uh, with the other two. (laughs) I imagine they don't like it much. Tries to take her place, but then they also are trying to get Ginger back. But it turns out that the reason that Ginger got there in the first place is because Miranda's, like, subordinate, Mipsy, had a cousin, Mitzi, uh, who was pretending to be some, like, artsy girl, and she, like, rigged things. It's too much, Zane. It's a lot. It's too much. it, It doesn't matter. None of it matters. What matters is... Ginger has found an environment that suits her better, and she has to decide between the things that matter to her in her life, and we get to jump between the different scenes seeing that, and we're like, oh, your friends are are a wreck without you, and, like, no, you're really thriving in this new environment, and, like, we are put into that really effectively. I think that's really the selling point.
1: Yeah, you know, you might be right in that, like, maybe the Carl stuff is just so that we don't get, so we don't, uh, it's so that it's not a soap opera. Well, yeah, exactly. It, it's so that we have the capacity to kind of break away from the drama to just engage in some, here's some good, nick. it's almost like a disclaimer, like, listen, we know how to do jokes, okay? Let's just expand this a little bit. Let's let's also get some, some we good chose uh, not to. teenage angst and like figuring yourself out kind of story in here. But like,
0: if we needed to, we could do a show about this. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It feels like a flex. Yeah. <laughs> um i I think it's actually I think it actually plays in by reminding you that like outside of your petty teen dramas, there's a whole world out here, and these guys are experiencing it, yeah, and they're doing it's, it in their own weird way, that also at the end of the day doesn't matter that much, but then we skip to Lois and she's having actual adult drama.
1: It's Lois's world, we just live in it, mm-hmm um. Just, just just moving along. Um, I think that something that really in- reinforces the development of everything is the fact that there is so much continuity, even when it doesn't matter.
0: Yeah, yeah. Ca- characters from previous seasons show up, and like we were treated to an interesting interaction where a third character will meet, uh, like try to introduce them. And, like, oh no, we've met. I'm like, oh shit, they did meet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, I I had one episode where like it kind of all came together which which is I don't know uh in in, this was a pretty later season which is when I think they started you know in the early episodes I don't think they quite figured out the formula precisely yet but later on you can really see them flexing their all all the things that they've learned and by the end of it like I, I watched like five or six episodes from the end of the series and it was just a smorgasbord of a bunch of continuity stuff, and I was just like, they kept track of a lot of moving parts for this show.
0: <laughs> yeah, they did.
1: Uh, the show, the episode that showcases this is called "A Lesson in Tightropes." I don't know what it has to do with ropes. however, it showcases uh, Dar- uh, Darren and Ginger break up, and then oh, Ginger yeah. gets like appendicitis and is rushed to the hospital.
0: That's a weird jump.
1: It's it's. I mean, and it's played like that. It's, it's showing. <laughs> I,
0: I love. I love the idea of like, oh no, she died of heartbreak. Oh wait, no, this is this <laughs> no, is a different organ.
1: It's sepsis. It's close, but it's not it's different. Um, and, and you know the having those two things back to back actually services a bunch of stuff in that episode, which is like how deeply emotionally difficult it is for Ginger that she can't even focus on recovering. She is still focusing on the on the breakup, and or like how um how Darren th- feels like it's his fault even though he wasn't directly connected with her appendicitis you know it that kind of guilt that you don't actually that you aren't responsible for feeling that that was really relatable for me
0: i mean they're relatable because they're worrying about things they have no control over how many yeah. how many shows are do you watch where there's a problem and the main character can do nothing <laughs>
1: Yeah, usually there's like a direct cause and effect, and they learn their lesson by the end of it, but for them to just be powerless against bullshit? That's, that's good. That's good. That's good writing. But anyway, the continuity in that episode is as follows. There's a flashback that shows a bunch of different scenes from earlier in, this, in, the, in the series about Darren and Ginger's relationship. Uh, Darren remarks about having some conversation with Dodie about his new relationship with this other girl. Which happened in a previous episode. Ginger hallucinates about a poetry alter ego that she had in a previous episode. That's right, she wrote a poem and had an alter ego in like kind of the hallucination imagined spot zone for when she was was rehearsing that poem. And it like is a thing she hallucinates about when she's recovering.
0: Yeah, and um, it's not like a it's not like a Doug or a Pepperan hallucination. It's no. like Clearly I'm in my head and like the the way that the show is directed is versatile enough where it's communicated pretty clearly as like this is where my mind's at,
1: yeah she's not quail girl you yeah. know, she's not spaceman spiff um she uh later on uh the step uh the the their um their birth father uh comes back into the scene because you know lois called him and' is like hey your your daughter's in the hospital, get over here' And they have a conversation, like, uh, uh, the dad and the new boyfriend, they have a conversation about how much they love those kids, which is like, they don't do any of that alpha male shit that I'm so conditioned to see sitcoms, <laughs> but they also are, like, referencing things that I've individually seen them having, like, feelings I've individually seen them having in previous episodes. Carl is consistently upset with Jonas for not being there more, like... Oh, you only shows up when there's an emergency. Well, you know, the new boyfriend actually helped out during the emergency. You know, that, that's referencing other episodes back. Carl even r- remarks to Lois that she's picking up her former ca- coffee habit because of the stress. It's mm. so, and that was like a big deal in a different episode is that she's like, look, Ginger, you can't drink coffee because it's bad for your body and you're going through school. Not in my house. I'll tell you what, I'll also quit morning coffee. Hmm. So like tying that little thing together, I was just overwhelmed. I was floored by how much detail they paid attention to in this just throwaway dialogue.
0: It's a, it's a level of care that you don't usually see.
1: Totally, and you know that episode was particularly Oscar baity. So like you know maybe <laughs> they felt like they had to pull out all the stops, but mm-hmm. you know e- even if even if the uh, even if they had like a plot bump for that one, it, it still was impressive. So like. You know, I, I'm I'm pretty into the construction of this show. I didn't love all the characters, but they're thoughtfully arranged, and all of the plot, like a plot, b plot. I think that's the right balance for a relatable show that still needs to be interesting. And mm-hmm. it's very it's very impressive about how it was crafted. However, it's got this drawing thing to it that we remarked upon earlier.
0: The way that they all look.
1: They they look pretty blush on four, on 12-year-olds. How do we feel about that, Zane?
0: A lot of blush. Yeah. it uh, Like, yeah. It, it, it makes them distinctive. It takes a little bit of the edge off the lump, so to speak. Um, or She's adds a little edge back She's in. She's not lump. She is so bright. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone uh, get that? <laughs> no, like... The the way that they look like it you get you everything in this show you get used to. I feel like the first couple episodes it took me a little bit to to acclimate to the way this show tells its stories.
1: It's got its own visual shorthand for stuff. So, you know, I don't know blush on fourteen year olds in my or in on twelve year olds like in my real life means that I'm about to listen to someone talking about prostatites and I'm like I don't really want to hear that, but at the same time I don't really like the way that there's Blush on twelve-year-olds, so I sort of get your point, and I just have to throw all that out when I'm watching this. I just have to accept that they've got that luminescent blush thing that happens to anime girls when they get when they eat
0: food on Food Wars. Uh, I just no, have to accept I, that. I'm glad you've started watching Food Wars. I, I,
1: so my friend tricked
0: me into it. <laughs> How?
1: <laughs> I watched a couple episodes, and I'm like, I you did not. Pr- accurately prepare me for
0: this <laughs> like did they at least start at the beginning
1: yeah of course well i mean like i don't know how it could have possibly well been how do they trick you then
0: the it's not like you're just walking in and you're like oh what's this anime it looks good Ooh, that food looks amazing where are their clothes
1: I, you, I mean you you're you primed me for it you talked about it previously and like it's like oh the food is so amazing that it blows their clothes off and i'm like okay that did not that did not cue me into how sexual in nature that food tasting was. I
0: feel like it did.
1: I, it really didn't. I thought it was just kinda of like a whoa Yowza, you know, jolt energy drink kind of this food you know, is amazing sort of thing. I honestly might
0: want to watch that again. It okay, was really well, well done.
1: Let, 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 let's sidebar from that.
0: Um but no, I think I think the blush and the makeup and all that stuff, it's not sexualizing children in the way that some shows do it's part of that aspirational nature. It's part of that reality. Plus they are trying to grow up and be adults and they're not there yet, but they like, they know that they're going to, they're, they're going to, they're trying on new adult things. You know, they're trying on the larger boots or whatever the phrase is.
1: Whatever it am. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, it, Maybe. I mean, I think there was also an episode where they tried to make makeup at home so that they could try to use it on themselves, and Lois put her foot down, not in my house.
0: Just so, because they were using makeup, or because? Yeah, because
1: she didn't, she didn't want them to grow up too fast, which I think is, you know, they're 12, they're 12! But, <laughs> you know, so I I don't think that it actually is, <laughs> you know, if it was a makeup allegory, like, they sort of... You got to cross that out because they actually did have a makeup allegory
0: episode. Yeah, it makes me wonder where the other blush is coming from.
1: I I think it's just that anime stuff. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I I actually have like a a side by side shot of them with with fake makeup and without. And yeah, they look like real monster clowns with the fake makeup on.
0: (laughs) I mean, even with like... Like Carl, who does not wear makeup, kind of seems like he probably should. Like he's a little rough to look at. Uh, Carl's beautiful. I don't know what you're talking about.
1: <laughs> Carl, uh, I do have to mention Carl's shirt looks like he's wearing a tra- like a plastic like a trash bag.
0: Yeah, we're like this. kid... There's no neckline. And again, Lois recognizes like his, <laughs> yeah, whatever. his tastes are different. His values are the same. As long we're as he's clothed this time, like it yeah. can be a trash bag, just. <laughs> We, we start an episode, and he's just in the yard in the winter, like, naked except for his underwear. He's like, I'm training. I need to <laughs> <Like>, be... Beca- fine. <laughs> I need to prove that my skin is invulnerable. And then he, like, takes some, like, omelet and rubs it on himself, like, I am immune.
1: Fine, like, dinner at six. Like, Such a weirdo. <laughs> just don't bother the neighbors.
0: <laughs> uh, speaking of what they're wearing, the characters change clothes. Have you
1: seen what they're wearing?
0: <laughs> oh my. In my schools. <laughs> I'm sorry, with, go on. <laughs> with my impulsive teenage boys. I can't I just, be trusted. I just I just completely derailed you. I'm sorry. Uh the characters, they change their clothes uh, episode to episode or day to day. Like it's a rare thing, but I like it makes sense and it's not distracting.
1: We've seen, you know, in so many shows now the merit of just redrawing the same thing over and over again if if you have a simple shape or if you have limited animation then reusing is very very important um crafting entirely new costumes for all your characters like that is
0: and that they look good it and that they're appropriate to the character and that it shows that the characters care about how they look
1: it, it It does all of those things. I guess what I'm saying is, like I formerly thought of it as merely lazy. I now think of it as incredibly expensive. <laughs> but I, I mean, it's probably necessary to this show that it doesn't just look like, you know, Doug opens up his closet and there's the same like brown culottes, white, <laughs> like
0: wh- who did he look like again? Richard Simmons? I don't remember. It, it reinforces both the idea that these kids care a lot about appearances as well as, oh, Ginger's a creative type. She's going to want to experiment with the way she looks.
1: Well, I mean, so and so does everyone to a, to a limited degree. It's just, um, yeah, I, I just, I think it was necessary for this show, but it was also like, I, I don't really have a good idea for how much more it would cost to draw this show, given that you couldn't really... Given that you couldn't really do the same costumes each time,
0: it it's evidence of effort. It is shows that they cared.
1: Yeah, and, and like the, the the costumes have a depth to them. They are not just like a palette swap clothes, you know. Mm-hmm. And they have like different accessories and shit. I think Macy at one point like gets a punk rock hairdo, <laughs> which granted, like yeah, you know,
0: There's such kudos. a grunge light aesthetic sometimes. Like they're, they're getting there. They're they're trying to like oh I want to put on some edge and be cool. It almost feels like a period really. piece in those ways. Yeah, this this feels like it came out of the nineties.
1: It does, it does. Everything's just a little bit baggy. You know, mm-hmm. there's probably like Tony Hawk pro posters all over the place.
0: Um, I think the sort of like folksy aesthetic and the uh, can come in in like the intro and outro, um, where it like sounds a little bit grungy, especially on the outro, and then there's like a bridge where it's sort of like much more laid back it's like okay i see i see what you're doing there with like again that in between this
1: yeah and
0: trying trying on identities
1: right and you know I, I guess we didn't mention this but the the show also has like a pretty good sense of where it is in a given scene like um like the environmental storytelling does a good amount when it's, we're it's just
0: it's just so aware of what it's trying to do
1: when we're in courtney and blake's neck of the woods you, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get, like, mansions and estates and topiaries and marble fountains and, and you know, the whole nine yards.
0: Yeah, yeah. When we're very in, pompous music.
1: Yep, yep. Blake Blake's late motif is just a delight. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we're in, you know, uh, Ginger's Neck of the Woods, it is very, like, suburb, single parent doing it by herself, but they still have, like, a comfortable life. It's, I don't know, man, like. It, it's very aware of where it is and I think with that in-between thing of like ginger wanting some of what courtney represents Courtney wanting what ginger represents them kind of both figuring out like what is the distinction between my life and that life? Do I even want that? Why do I want that? <laughs> the fact that the environment also tells that story is 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 very helpful Right Since you brought up the intro um, Right. So should, yeah, like we the, should the, mention. the theme
0: comes in like right from the beginning from the intro
1: I I got to admit this is this is catchy to me.
0: So there are three versions of the intro song. Uh one is sung by Cree Summers who voiced Miranda, one by Melissa Disney who voices Ginger, and she bless her heart, she cannot sing. She
1: tries. She tries it's very hard.
0: Always so rough. I skip uh, ahead every time. <laughs> I winced when I listened to the first episode. I'm like, that's not the one I remembered. Uh the main one that we hear is done by Macy Gray, best known for her song I Try. Um, she tries. I- she
1: tries real hard. Like this, is stuck <laughs> in my memory. This was. It was this. There are two things that stuck in my memory from this show from when I was a kid. It was mm-hmm. this song by by her, and it was a line that Carl said when they were when he and Hoodsy were trying to avoid suspicion for something that they were doing. Is like we're not doing anything wrong. We're just playing mental chess. Queen
0: to e three.
1: Oh man, you check me again. <laughs> this is the only thing I remember
0: uh i actually remember uh quite a bit of the of the anecdotes you mentioned Um, oh really yeah like i remember the lice episode i remember like
1: i remember that one too
0: like uh yeah oh lice on dirty hair great i think i used that as an excuse growing up uh for (laughs) (laughs) for one thing or the other (laughs) um i remember the episode where uh lois like is on strike and you can see how it really affects the family because she has to like work as a house cleaner and then Ginger has to go help her out and that affects uh. her social life. And that whole balancing act like really stuck with me.
1: Yeah, I, I forgot about that one.
0: Like the, the the episodes can get a little formulaic just in terms of what they are doing to the characters emotionally. But the when you find one that specifically speaks to like your situation or just you're seeing something that you haven't seen in another show, it it's it sticks. It's very resonant.
1: Yeah, and this is like a professional singer, and she's singing a, a song that, I, for whatever reason, really stuck with me.
0: You know? Yeah, I, she's great, great singing. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't remember the intro very much, and when I heard the first episode, when I'm like... That feels pitch shifted. Is this is this streaming website like one of those where it's like up twenty five percent and then like the side of the screen's cut off?
1: Yeah, I recoiled like a vampire in front of a window. This <laughs> is pretty 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 lousy. Uh, sometimes they do that delightful thing that I always love, which is uh, they uh, change the tenor of the intro theme to kind of pan between scenes. Yeah, you know, like yeah. Well, we'll do like a big panning shot. Uh, over um, people going to class in middle school, and it'll do the theme, but like just the instrumentals, or maybe they'll do the the theme, but like a a light a lighter t- like a lighter set of instruments for it for a, for a different kind of set of characters or something. You know, they they play with it in ways that were engaging to me. I guess is my point.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean th- that that general riff that comes in in both its uh, folksy and grungy ends of that continuum. Very different- grungy. They, they, they're they established throughout.
1: Yeah, lots of crunchy guitars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I It's not unique to this show, but I, I always appreciate when it shows up. Mm-hmm. No, I'm thinking about, you know, panning across a middle school. In the later seasons, they, they really got a wild hair up their ass about, like, using the using the camera for wild rotations and stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah and the, like, the, the way that they decided to shoot some things, it's, it's unique. There was, um during the carnival episode when like uh you know they've been stressing each other out and ginger and darren like start fighting a little bit in between they're like yelling at each other you hear the blacksmith like making horseshoes and it the just The
1: blacksmith zane
0: at the county fair
1: oh yeah of course <laughs>
0: and it fair zooms blacksmith. in on the horseshoe and all you see is like it takes up the entire screen, and you just see the hammer come down, and you hear the clink, and that just punctuates every mean thing they say to each other.
1: That that is cool. I, I when I saw it was not deft. <laughs> it was just like, <laughs> and scene, you're gonna break right? a few eggs. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I wish I had seen that because that sounds like a really good scene. Mo- most of the time, I feel like they could have just they shouldn't have tried for any of this. You know, camera rotation follow you through, follow you over the shoulder as you're running down a hallway, kind of stuff. Like, yeah. Just, oh,
0: you, the character feels dizzy, so the camera's going to get a little wonky.
1: I think 2D would have worked fine there. Like, I would just chill out, camera. <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess like that's that's a little unfair. Like they're they're trying to make this pop. I, I can't really fault them for that. It just didn't work on me.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're getting to the end of our um, analysis. Yeah, I don't think I have much more. Um, I do want to mention a couple of th- like the show is very highly regarded. It has uh, brooked a bit of analysis. Like uh, I think you mentioned before, there is an "As Told by Ginger" podcast. We're in between. Mm. Um, there is a great analysis video by Riffic Tarek. Um, he's a YouTuber. I sometimes watch his stuff to catch a few things I didn't notice. I'm I'm not going in there and plagiarizing material, but for this one, he kind of nailed it all, and I'm just trying to like phrase things, like paraphrase.
1: Yeah. We like and we know, we like analyzing cartoons. That's that's our <laughs> whole thing. So,
0: yes, please. <laughs> more, more,
1: more, please. Uh, t- since we're in, you know, YouTuber recommendations, I I want to recommend to you uh the storyteller. Okay. He-, he is somebody who does uh videos on the Boondocks and kind of how that franchise has been misappropriated by a lot of the fans, sort of in a, a Dave Chappelle kind of way. Like the, yeah. the, the fans taking the wrong thing from it and how it is actually intended as a critique of black culture in, in certain ways. Yeah, and like easy, a,
0: easily one of the most misunderstood cartoons.
1: Yeah, and he, and he kind of breaks it down and he doesn't really come down on the side of, yes, this is good or no, this is bad, but just like there's more to this than meets the eye if you listen to the random stoned weedsman that uh, is watching this.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm always I'm always conflicted when I see really good YouTube analysis of a cartoon because it's like this required our more territory. time and effort than what we do and they did a better job and now I can't disentangle my own opinions from theirs.
1: Yeah, well I mean that's that's the that's the mark of a, a good persuasive um essay, right? Is that that you you inhabit it after at the end of it.
0: Yeah, it's not like Ginger's essays which are like and I guess really the thing was family all along
1: yeah and if only dr I, cox would love me then maybe i could love you myself know, uh well I was, I was gonna say turk
0: <laughs> he does love turk yeah, I, uh i we I, i've been kind of making fun of it this whole time but ginger actually does have a really good narrative voice like the the voiceovers have a, a real poetry to them
1: it, it's got kind of that pubescent squeak to it which i think is appropriate Mm-hmm. you know like it, her voice cracks at at times and she does have a naturally high voice so that's always a little hard to suss out but it definitely lends it this character of i i feel these opinions strongly so strongly that maybe i'm not so certain of them but like these uh, these feelings are very real to me and the voice just carries both the content of those emotional struggles but, and also the weight of those emotional struggles mm-hmm. I, I i'm in full agreement on that
0: yeah, and in the final episode where, like, there's a minute of her as an adult looking back on things, uh, the voice oh. lowers in a very believable way, and, like, I, I almost kind of wanted to see an episode of, like, how everyone's lives developed.
1: I, I really, I, don't, I feel like, I feel that feels very antithetical to the series kind of thrust, doesn't it? Um, I, I don't know,
0: I like closure.
1: I know, but, like, does it really belong in a show that's so much about being in between different kinds of closure is to, to fucking nope shut all doors but one
0: <laughs> but this time there was green grass
1: <laughs> i knew it was somewhere
0: it was in the future after i matured you assholes, a bit you just
1: need to stop watering it so much that's the number one cause
0: really we should get rid of grass entirely and replace our lawns with moss i agree or clover
1: just give uh, something that creates oxygen as opposed to just killing all the dirt
0: <laughs> in conclusion uh,
1: don't go grass.
0: Yeah, don't don't grow grass. Uh, I hope that that was my report on summer vacation. I hope you all enjoyed hearing it as much as I enjoyed writing it.
1: I have a feeling your mom wrote that.
0: <laughs> she did help me with the costume.
1: <laughs> I'm going to be cool. a shooting star.
0: Uh so, uh, now,
1: I, I overall I I really like the show. I think that at times it Jumped into a little bit of kind of hackneyed, very special episode uh, territory with like the caffeine addiction episode, or the, mm-hmm. the, um, the 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 suicide watch kind of episode. But beyond that, I think mostly it's extremely relatable, and I'm very happy that they figured out the a plot b plot ratio and pacing. Yeah, I've, I've been hurting for that. <laughs> I haven't yeah. had it in so long. And I, I can finally let the Phineas and Ferb debacle go.
0: Yeah. It's, it. you know, it's not going to be the funniest Nicktoon. It's not going to be the thing I always want to watch. But it's impressive that it's, like, it has that emotional resonance and continues to do so now, even though that I'm older.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I know we didn't get any responses for this episode. But, like, if someone's listening to this and has memories of this show and it, like, impacted you, please let us know. I'm very interested, like, in, mm-hmm. in how um a teenage girl kind of watching this could have related to it and and how that might have informed the way they looked at their lives
0: ben which is more empowering as told by ginger or gem in the holograms
1: ah uh, you know it's 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 not a straight line curve is it you know like there's so much more impressive <laughs> about gem because of the era in which it was aired and i don't know i i feel like gem I, i'm just going to default to the gem this is definitely a more enjoyable, more cohesive show, but like just on a pure ballsiness metric, I got to give it to Jem.
0: As told by Jem in the Holograms, where they're totally having like, social difficulties, and so they just decide to have a battle of the bands about it.
1: <laughs> the grass on the other side is truly outrageous.
0: Um. So, Ben, what are we going to watch next time?
1: Well, Zane, I'm slowing down my answer so I can appropriately remember the thing that we're watching next time, which is, I really thought I was going to get to it by the end of the sentence, and I didn't. Zane, what is it next time? <laughs>
0: it's Dungeons and Dragons. That's
1: right. I remembered that at the beginning of the podcast. Okay, so next time we're watching the animated Dungeons and Dragons cartoon, and we will be lucky enough to have a guest on it, and not just any guest, but a former DM of ours.
0: Yes, we're going back to our own middle school memories.
1: Um, For those of you not in the sadomasochism ring, uh, that is Dungeon Master in a different context. Mm -hmm. But uh, it is, you know, uh, he's going to come on and tell us mostly about his experiences in D&D, and we're all going to try to recollect some memories of the last time we played D&D with him. So that should be
0: a time. (laughs) We'll try not to make it navel-gazy, but like it'll and be the beginning enabled. of a new year we're tired let's have That's an easy part one. of
1: the D experience though so like i don't know i i will we'll try to we'll try to manage the ratio it, on, it really is on uh, going down too many inside joke holes versus actually talking about the cartoon i think we'll figure it out though mm-hmm. and zane what are we doing after that
0: uh after that it's time for another movie segment already and, um yeah and you know very the very last- idea The last few that we've watched, um, you know, aside from maybe Balto, have tended to be very, like, conceptual and difficult (laughs) um, and, like, thought-provoking. Let's just have an easy one. Let's have a nice animated cartoon. It came out. People were aware of it. It died. Let's watch Rango.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it really did die, didn't it? (laughs) It seemed so big and cool
0: at the time, and then just, like, it's gone.
1: I feel like I remember, uh, like, a, a trailer of him dancing. Uh, which, which is very strange in hindsight, but, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. I think we can thank a uh, former guest of ours for turning us on to it. Um, thank you very much, James. Uh, you were on the Pirates of Darkwater episode and you had mentioned extensively that Rango was, uh, underappreciated. So Mm -hmm. that should, that should be an interesting hypothesis that we will break.
0: Um, (laughs) kind of Uh, getting ahead of yourself there.
1: (laughs) Buried the cart before he died in the desert.
0: You know, usually I don't watch very many movies contemporaneously. Um, I'll watch them, like, five years later if people are still talking about them. Like,
1: <laughs> What does that mean? You don't watch them contemporaneously?
0: Like, when Wreck-It Ralph came out, I was like, that seems right up my alley. But I just ended up watch- not watching it. And then, like, five years later, people were like, oh, yeah, Wreck-It Ralph was really good. I'm like, I guess I'm going to go watch Wreck-It Ralph. Oh,
1: I guess it's time. Yeah.
0: Um, Rango... W- I was like, even then I was like, I'm going to let that one sit for a while.
1: Yeah, generally I'm pretty in- interested in watching, you know, new, interesting, like a different animation style kind of animated features, especially if they have actors voices that I am aware of. But like nothing about the trailer really spoke to me. So mm-hmm. I, th- I think maybe something we can keep in mind during it is like, why did it not grab us at the time? Mm-hmm. If it in fact grabs us at all when we watch it.
0: Yeah. Uh, and you know what we 'll find out hey everyone. Uh, this is Zane from the future uh, and I just wanted to let you know that we uh, we chatted about it and we decided that uh we really do want an easy episode to come back to after the holidays and uh after looking into it rango doesn 't really uh doesn 't really fit that categorization it 's um apparently visually very striking, very tonally, and atmospherically uh rich. Um, and we decided that it made more sense to do sort of a lowball thing that we were also excited to watch. So we will get to Rango eventually, uh, but instead, next time, we will be watching Osmosis Jones, the movie with uh, White Blood Cell as a main character. So that's always fun. Uh, Uh, toodles!
1: Yep. So, as much as this episode probably should have been more about it, it expressing, like, the uncertainty of youth and not so much just, like, it just just hating on, you know, teen girls we don't like, uh, you know, I, I hope you enjoyed our dissection of As Told by Ginger. To, to be fair, one, we
0: weren't the people who should be analyzing this. What's that? We're not the people who should be analyzing this. Like, no. you're never going to get the best uh, understanding of this show. But,
1: positive point, we got one more awesome mom to add to the Pantheon.
0: Let's let's put her up. let's let's see let's what's hear on the it. Let's board hear for
1: single moms and cartoons like honestly we could have just done like a whole 15 minutes on how awesome it is to see representation for single moms and cartoons
0: single moms if not for you these cartoon characters would be orphans
1: Car- carl would be absolutely feral
0: <laughs> yeah there's nothing restraining him anymore no, no one he, to remind he, him to wear he'd pants be like again. swimming
1: in chocolate vats down at the local chocolate
0: factory oh he would get wonka You get 100 Wonka. It's like, I've invented these glasses that give me Wonka vision. And he just goes on down to like the sewage dump. He's like, I live here now.
1: (laughs) I must marry the delicious with the disgusting. And that's that's how... That's our tagline as well. That's how you reach true enlightenment. If you like the show, uh, or if you have anything to say about Dungeons and Dragons or Rango, Crab Rangones, then you can go to our Facebook page. Uh, you can go to our website at cartoncast.com or a group website at fancybat fancybat fancybat.com fancybat.com you can go to our group website at fancybat.com and check out the contact page there so you can drop us a line on what you think Um, yeah and more than anything else uh, tell your friends about the show
0: or you know consider telling your friends about the show and then realize that you were you were better off all along just telling your friends about your feelings.